Hello there, and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Mark Plunkett. This is the Tillage podcast for all your weekly news, tips, and advice. This week, we are covering potato blight with Shay Phelan, crops and potato specialist at Chagas Oak Park, Carlow. I first asked Shay what are potato crops looking like at the moment? Good question, Mark. I mean, the, the weather that we've had over the last um, couple of weeks has been pretty favourable for, for, for growing potato crops, to be honest. I mean, the, there's been no shortage of moisture um, uh, and the drought has long since passed for, for most crops and uh, most soils are now up to up field capacity. So they're actually growing quite well. Um, they're actually bulking at the moment. The main crops are actually bulking at the moment. Um, and if you notice on most main crops at the moment, the, the flowers are there and they're actually starting to go off some of the earlier planted stuff. Um, so they are they are growing well. Uh, that's not to say that the, there haven't been issues out there. Um, I, as you know, there was frost earlier on in, in, in May, which set crops back quite a bit. The impact on that, we're not entirely sure what that's going to be yet. Um, for some of them, it may mean that, you know, tuber, uh, tuber counts might be affected on that on those crops um so we just we'll just have to wait and see um the other issue that was out there and it's still a bit of a problem in some crops was that the drought uh, made uh, weed control quite difficult um, and there are a number of crops out there where we're starting to see weeds starting to get back above the canopy um so that could that could potentially be a problem uh, later on in the season the other issue that's out there just looking at uh, crops around the country this year is that common scab seems to be a bit of an issue there which again was brought on by the drought uh, growers that had access to irrigation seem to have kept it under control um, but anywhere that uh, didn't have any access to, to irrigation scab certainly seems to be a bit of an issue so you know that'll have an impact later on the season when they're trying to sell them but generally they're, they're looking quite good in terms of the area planted in 2019, is it up or down on previous years, Shay? The provisional figures that we would have got back from the Department of Agriculture there in, in the middle of June uh, shows that they're, they're up slightly. Um, main crop, if you take main crop, particularly rooster, which is about 50% of the main crop, uh, is up about 25 hectares over last year. Now, that's provisional figures. We would expect to see that go a little bit more. Uh, so we could be up to, you know, an extra 50 60 hectares which doesn't seem a lot but in a year whereby you get good growth yielding crops that can that can be you know can, can be significant uh, we saw a fairly big increase in in earlies uh, from a low base they're up to 750 hectares now um for up 150 hectares from last year so that's that's quite a big growth in earlies um, and that's primarily down to the fact that guys in wexford and that were able to plant um, in February and March, whereas they weren't in last year. Um, so the areas are up slightly. What impact they're going to have uh, later on in, in the season remains to be seen. Uh, I suppose what's good to see at the moment is that a lot of the areas are being lifted at the moment. Um, we're in Queen peak British Queen season at the moment, uh, and they're being lifted and, and uh, they're eating relatively well at the moment. So they're going to be uh, used up and gone, please God, by the time the main crop harvest comes in, in, in mid-August. And Shay, in terms of the market, has COVID-19 had an effect in 2020? Um, like everything else, market, it has. Um, I suppose the first impact it has is when had when the lockdown happened in, in May, or in March, should I say, we saw a, a significant increase in 
sales of of fresh or table potatoes so the likes of roosters and and that in shops were were, were selling out very very fast um so there's a huge spike in in march as soon as the lockdown was 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 mentioned um similar to what you would expect around christmas time uh, in terms of sales of uh, in supermarkets of, of of potatoes um so that kind of was a short short-lived spike lasted for about two weeks and it f- and, and fell off then again back to sort of normal sort of levels uh where we are at the moment we're kind of at the kind of seasonal sort of seasonal sales that we would get typically this time of year so you know that spike has had an effect and that it'll probably uh, make us run out of stocks a little bit earlier than what we would have would have thought. On the counter side to that, then, um, what we did see is a collapse in in peeling markets. So, because restaurants were shut, cafes were shut, um, even chip shops were shut for quite a while. Um, that product that was going into those those uh, areas collapsed completely. Um, and it was only when we saw uh, chip shops and that starting to open up again, you could you could start to move on a bit of fresh chip product. Um, so that's starting to, to affect us now and, and that a lot of that material was hard to store, um, especially though anything that had fried colors or anything that was trying to fry, some of that stuff was probably being held on to longer than it would normally be. And some of that stuff has some, has some fried as well as what we probably would have liked. The other issue there is that that fresh chip market is dominated by a product coming from the UK. Um, and that could have an effect on price if they have an oversupply in the UK uh, later on this season and into next season, they could start trying to move product very, very cheaply, which would obviously have an impact on price here. Shane, the weather has been quite broken over the last few weeks. Has this increased the disease pressure in crops as we speak? Um, well, certainly, Mark, the last couple of weeks there's been no shortage of blight warnings uh, coming out from both Metairn and, and other sources. So the risk is there. Um, it's absolutely ideal weather for the likes of blight. Um, but to date, luckily enough, um, I've seen very little of it. Um, I've been around the country, especially down south in the last two weeks, um, and talking to growers down there and even looking at crops myself, it's very, very difficult to find blight. So that's a compliment to the growers that they're getting out there. They're getting, um, they're getting the, the, the products on in time and they're spraying intervals on time. So they are keeping on top of it. But what's interesting is um, I happened to be out with a grower last week and we were looking at potato dumps. And even in potato dumps, which haven't got any blight sprays at all this year, um, there's little or no blight in those crops. Why that's the case, I'm not entirely sure. Whether the drought has had an issue uh, in terms of the survival rate of the fungus, um, I don't know. Or the frost maybe in, in, Mar- in May, whether that had an impact or not, I'm not entirely sure. What I am seeing out there, uh, though, is plenty of blackleg. Uh, and this weather is also ideal for the spread of blackleg, um, which, is, which is normally soil or um, seed-borne, um, and it comes in and seed in the mother tuber rots. And then uh, the fungus spreads or uh, the bacteria spreads through the moisture in the soil. So once you have plenty of moisture in the soil, um, it will spread from plant to plant along a row. Um, so it's not difficult to find blackleg affected plants uh, in crops at the moment. Uh, and I'd say to farmers where you do see them, where you see these kind of odd plants just dying off for no reason. Um, if it's possible at all, they should be rogued and the tubers should be taken out with them and just dumped somewhere just to get them away from there because they will uh, they will affect. Uh, the neighbouring plants the longer they're left in the soil so um, while blight isn't really an issue yet that's not to say there aren't other issues out there and alternaria actually is another disease that I'm starting to see at, at increasing levels in crops as well so at the moment blight is an issue as I say but blackleg 
uh, and Altenaria are issues in crops at the moment. And Shay, if a grower discovers there's blight in his crop, how do they prevent it? Well, obviously, if you have it, if, if it's in the crop and you see it in the crop, um, you, you have a problem. Okay, so the first thing you need to look at is what have you used? Uh, what were your intervals? Um, and obviously, if you use a product and it doesn't seem to be controlling the blight, you shouldn't go back in with that product again. Um, so you should be looking at what has happened in the, in the immediate two or three weeks to see why, why that blight has got in there. If it's there, then uh, you have to take a fairly robust approach with it. So you're looking at spraying something like Simoxanil, which is commonly used uh, with products like Option or Symbol or some of those products which have a very good knockdown effect on blight. Um, so in those cases there, then you would do that every three to four days because the, the product only lasts that length of time in the crop. So you would try and use those uh, Simoxanil-based products every three to four days until you get that until you get that blight symptom dried up. And then you would, you'd obviously you'd always use your normal products, whether that be your systemic products or your, or your contact products as well. So likes of Infinito, um, the Zorvec products, Randman or Rivas, any of those, Valbon, any of those products. So you can use your normal blade products in, in conjunction with that. The other thing that needs to be looked at as well, and we're seeing quite a bit or what I'm afraid of a little bit this year is the amount of amateur growers that are out there um, who are growing potatoes out there and maybe using products that are not great on blight. Uh, and what happens if you're in the vicinity of those, uh, the blight will spread from those crops into your commercial crop, uh, and then you have then you have a problem. The other thing that we should also be looking at as well are volunteers. Um, so if you have volunteers in cereal crops um, or anywhere else, or you know if there's volunteers in, in other crops, they should be destroyed, as should dumps. Anywhere you see dumps, they should all be sprayed off with something like Roundup or something like that. Um, the other, I suppose, from, a, from what you can do inside the gate then as well, is you should be looking at areas around poles or corners, you know, where the sprayer might have difficulty accessing. If you have it in those areas, you need to try and get in and with the sprayer as best you possibly can and spray them as best you possibly can. Um, in a situation then further on from that where it becomes more serious and you just can't control that blight, well, then you have to look at desiccating some of that crop or those those blight patches within that crop. So that means burning off those infected plants, but also a ring of plants around those infected plants to protect the rest of the crop. So that's a kind of a last uh, chance saloon, if you like, you know, kind of very dramatic sort of uh, stuff if you have to end up at that level. But, you know, you, the idea is that you don't end up having to destroy anything just to control the blight. And Shay, in, in terms of varieties, are there any resistant varieties to potato blight? I suppose, Mark, the, this is the goal, the goal of breeders, if you like. Um, all the breeders across the world are trying to breed varieties that are resistant to different things, and blight is no different. So um, they are trying to breed varieties out there, uh, some with different levels of success. I suppose the variety that most people in this country will be familiar with in terms of having a blight, high, um, relatively high uh, blight resistance would be something like Sarpamira, uh, which you see a lot of the um, organic growers and uh, you know growers at farmers market selling. Um, now the thing about Sarpomira and that they're a Hungarian variety or an Eastern European variety, um, and they have slight they have slightly different tastes than what we would have here. So Sarpomira is a very waxy, low dry matter potato uh, with not a whole lot of taste to my mind. Um, so that's not very palatable in a lot of cases to the Irish Irish palate, if you like. 
Um, so what we have, I suppose, closest thing we probably have in Oak Park to uh, a, a relatively high blight resistance would be uh, would be a variety called Satanta, uh, which was targeted at organic growers a number of years ago, uh, which which wouldn't have exceedingly high levels of blight resistance, but it would be more blight resistant than something like rooster. Having said that, we had it in a blight trial in Oak Park last year, uh, and it did succumb to blight, um, although it was later than the other varieties, like rooster, like British Queen and those, um, it did succumb to blight late on in the season. So it's not fully resistant, but it just might be something that, you know, if a grower wanted to do, look at something that might need as much um, blight control, it could be a variety that they could use. And Shay, did I hear that there has been a change in the, the strains of blight that we have here in Ireland? There's talk about it, yes, Mark. Uh, certainly uh, the Euroblight um, organisation, which, which monitors blight populations all across Europe, all across the different co- countries in Europe, are monitoring blight, um, blight strains all the time. Uh, and basically the idea of that is to alert people into shifts of population. Um, so in... 2019, we identified a, a strain called 37A2, uh, which is a strain that is less susceptible to the likes of fluasinum uh, fungicides. So that's kind of typically your Sherlan uh, type products of Ali, all those those type of products. Um, and that's a variety, or that's a product that a lot of small growers would use consistently throughout the season, um, and especially late on in the season. So it is a problem in terms that if we have this 37A2 in in Ireland, uh, well then you know our our programs late on the season where we normally used to put that Sherland type product and that fluasinum product in, in in August because it had good protection uh, for for tuber blight, and now that becomes an issue. So it is while it is out there, we're not sure how much of it is here, uh, but it is causing concern with growers. And so we don't know how widespread it is in Ireland. So Shay, if a grower has blight, where can he or she uh, get samples tested? As I say, we're always looking for samples in Chagas. As I say, we think it's in Ireland. Um, we think that blight strain is in is in Ireland. So if if any grower sees blight out there, it's not, you know, first of all, don't ignore it. Um, so you you obviously try and spray it. But if you can before you get to spray it. Uh, inform any of your local Chagas advisors, any of your uh, merchant co-op reps uh, and get them to sample it because it's, it's it's very, very important that we figure out how much of this 37A2 strain is in Ireland. We know it's in the north um, and because a number of samples have been sent away last year to, to Euroblight, they, they identified it as 37A2 in, the nor- in Northern Ireland. But unfortunately, we haven't identified it uh, readily as much in, in the south. So we really need to we really need to get access to these blight populations or these blight, blighted plants in the country. So if a grower sees them at all, give us a ring, give me a ring, give their local Chagas advisor ring or their local merchant rep a ring and instruct them to get a sample taken because it's only if we if we get samples in and tested, we'll know uh, what we have here. Okay. Shay, traditionally, Sherlin was an important fungicide, you know, late in the season. What options are now currently available to growers in terms of, say, tuber blight control? Yeah, like I said earlier on, Mark, I mean, Sherlin was a product that I used to always kind of look at as, as an August type product. So as the crop was starting to senesce towards the end of the season, it had very good activity in what they call zoo spores. So it actually stopped the zoo spores from falling down onto the onto the soil surface and then infecting the, uh, the tubers. So if you haven't got... If you, 
as we do, as we know, we don't know whether we have 37A2 here or not. So we're, the advice would be not to use it. Um, so from that point of view, products like Randman Top would be a good alternative at that time of the year, especially in August. Uh, Infinito would be quite good, or Zorvik would be quite as good as well. Any of the Zorvik products, and again, they're designed to try and stop blight getting into the crop in the first place. So if we can stop blight getting in there in the first place, then it makes it much easier to control it later on in the season. And Shay, in terms of, you know, talking about, you know, that, that final spray um, on a potato crop, in terms of desiccation, what are growers going to do now that diquat is not available for desiccation? That's a very good question, Mark. Um, as you know, as you rightly say, uh, diquat, uh, diquat isn't going to be available to, to growers this year. Um, so the really, from a, from a chemical point of view, there's really only two options. There's a, two products called, one called Spotlight Plus, and the other one called Gozai, which is registered, just after getting registration in the country this year. Uh, and they both work in pretty much the same way. Uh, they're called PPO type inhibitors. So they work in exactly the same way, which is different uh, than the way um, Diquat used to work in that they're much slower. They work on the stems rather than the leaves. Uh, and you know that causes certain difficulties for growers. Um, they also need to be applied in both spotlight and gauze need to be applied in very bright sunny conditions kind of in the middle of the day where you have that very intense uv light so then that helps them to work on the leaves and helps them to to, to work faster in the crop um, so from that point of view growers are going to have to look at when they want to harvest their crop as i say these two products are much slower acting than diquat they don't take down the leaves nearly as quickly so in my experience you're looking at four to six weeks of a lead-in period before you're going to have a skin set and and then be, be able to harvest those crops so really guys are going to have to look at planning out their 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 desiccation strategy probably towards the second half of august and then going in and doing that uh, or going in and spraying the, the, those products if they want something quicker then the, the option is hollow topping. So you just mechanically go in and flail the crop uh, and that stops the crop immediately. Uh, now the trick with that is that you leave about eight inches of plant on top of the drills so that you can then go in and spray on your spotlight or your gauze. But it's taken off the leaves, most of the leaves at that stage already, and it tends to work quicker than just spraying on the, the gauze or the spotlight themselves on their own. So they're the two options really that, that growers have, either spraying on, Gozai and Spotlight uh, are using maybe a mixture of using them and then Hollam Topping as well is probably the way that growers are going to have to desiccate crops for the 2020 season. Hey, thanks for joining me on the show and giving us a great insight into potato blight control. That's it for the Tillage Edge this week and my thanks to Shay Phelan for joining me on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a show and for more information go to chagas.ie. I'm Mark Plunkett, thanks for listening, and Michael Hennessy will be back next week with more tillage news and advice.